morning. We are glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for coming. We want you to certainly feel that you are welcome here today if you're visiting. We love that we have visitors from week to week. We encourage you to continue to come. If you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you as a part of our church family here. Thank you for the many good works that are going on, those of you that are involved in the work of the church here. We are grateful for your efforts and all the good that you are doing. We've, been, we've had really a busy month in June. I know that we've had camp, we've had VBS. I think we've got another camp upcoming. So Jared has been very busy, really busy. And so we want to keep Jared and his family in our, in our prayers as they continue to work with the church here. Again, thank you for being here. I want to direct your attention to the passage that was read a moment ago in Psalm 19. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that is something that we all need to consider very carefully. It has to do with the subject of what's right and what's wrong. The question of this hour, whatever happened to right and wrong? The lesson today that we're going to be discussing, I want to just very quickly preface what I'm about to say. Our subject matter today is one that I think is of vital importance. It is really the backbone of a nation, a kingdom, and that is the standard for determining what is right and wrong. Is there a standard? And if there's a standard, should we adhere to it? Now, you know, we live in a day and time, sadly, in which our nation has seen morality erode in many sectors of society. We have been abundantly blessed in this country. Economically speaking, even though we have many, many problems economically, by and large, the poorest person in our country is still wealthy by the standards of the world. We are tremendously blessed economically. Educationally, we are probably better educated than any society in days gone by. Our problem is not one of education, nor is it a problem of economics. But rather, our problem has to do with ethics, integrity, what is right, and what is wrong. The lesson today, to understand up front, our lesson today is not about politics, it's not about race, it's not about gender, but rather it is about what is right and what is wrong. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we look at our lesson today. I want to begin our study today by, first of all, calling attention to a promise. And we're going to look at the nation of Israel somewhat as a template for our discussion today. Because I think that if you go back and you look at the history of the nation of Israel, there are a couple of thoughts here that, in many respects, have a lot to do with the well-being of any society. So I want to begin by calling attention to the book of Exodus in chapter 19. In Exodus chapter 19, there was a conditional covenant enacted by God in heaven with 
His chosen people. And God said to the children of Israel in the long ago, matter of fact, Moses, on behalf of God said, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now therefore, if you will obey My voice and keep My covenant, He said, You will be a special treasure to Me above all people, for all the earth is Mine. You will be to Me a kingdom of priests. In effect, they would be a holy nation. After Moses rehearsed these words to the children of Israel, the response of Israel was, All that the Lord has said, we will do. Now if you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have a series of addresses given by Moses, the great lawgiver of ancient Israel. And Moses is about to depart this life, so to speak. His time is short. There are three addresses in the book of Deuteronomy given by Moses on the plains of Moab. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said through Moses to the nation, He said that they were to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, and might. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And then He said, You shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up, in other words, you are to saturate the minds of your children with my word. If you drop down to verse 17, in verse 17, Moses then said to the children of Israel, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God. His testimonies, His statutes, which He has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Now why? Here it is. That it may be well with you. That you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Note if you would the correlation between honoring God's word and their prosperity, their well-being. In effect, what God was saying through Moses to the children of Israel is simply this. If you will ingrain in your children my word, it will bless their lives. And then if you will take my word, incorporate it into your lives, and live it out on a daily basis, it will be for your well-being. So let me ask this question. What has changed in that regard? Is it not the case that God today will bless those who honor His Word? Those who dishonor His Word have a tough road ahead of them. So that being the case, I want to now move and think for a moment or two about the problem. The children of Israel, in many respects, are a reminder of God's goodness, and God's severity. God blessed them immeasurably, and yet there were times when they would stray from His Word and they faced heartache after heartache. Now you remember in the book of Judges in chapter 2, the Bible tells us, and the Bible says, that Joshua was the successor to Moses, the lawgiver, the leader of ancient Israel. And the Bible says in chapter 2 that the children of Israel, they were faithful 
to the Lord during all the days of Joshua. Furthermore, they were faithful to God during the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. But then the Bible says another generation came on the scene that knew not the Lord, nor yet the great works which he had performed in Israel. So what happened? Somewhere along the line, there was a breakdown in terms of their responsibility in the home. The home is indeed the backbone of any society, of any nation. Our nation today is facing a lot of problems because the home is not what it ought to be. If somehow we could rectify the problems in the home, then we could see tremendous changes across the landscape of our nation. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, I want you to listen to what the writer had to say about the children of Israel. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now what was it Moses said back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you remember? The Bible says that they were to do what was right and good in the sight of the Lord. But now the problem among the nation of Israel was that of doing what was right in their own eyes. Not what was right in the eyes of God, but mankind had become his own standard in many respects. And so as I think about that verse, it would seem to me that there are a lot of folks in our world today that have that mindset. We'll just do what's right in our own eyes. If you look at the northern kingdom, the northern kingdom went into Assyrian captivity in about 722-721 B.C. And God took them into captivity because of their unfaithfulness. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 4, God said through the prophet in the long ago, Ephraim hath her idols. Let him alone. Now if you look at Hosea chapter 4, it doesn't take an Einstein to understand the problem. You remember God brought an indictment against His own people. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. The Lord brings a charge has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. He said there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Do you remember what the writer of Judges said? Judges 21, 25, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. They had gotten away from the standard of Almighty God. And because of that, they opened the floodgates to a lot of problems. Hosea said there is swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery, with bloodshed after bloodshed. He said they break all restraint. Sounds a lot like the 21st century, doesn't it? People have abandoned what we would call the standard, the standard of authority. There are folks in our land today, there are folks all over the globe that do not want to be bound by what they would call a binary code. 
They don't want anyone telling them what to do, how to live, how to think. They do not relish the idea of anyone imposing a code or a standard upon them. What about the southern kingdom? Did they fare any better than the northern kingdom? Well, they went into Babylonian captivity, didn't they? For 70 long years. And Jeremiah, the prophet of God, pleaded with those people to come back and to honor the God of heaven. In Jeremiah chapter 2, the prophet said in the long ago, My people have forgotten me days without number. They were, as he said, wise to do evil, but to do good they had no knowledge. And you remember Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 5? When he delivered a series of woes to the people of God, and he said they call evil good and good evil. There are people today that are, that are just as confused as their predecessors. They are, in many respects, morally bankrupt. And that's where we sit today. Let me just share with you some interesting statistics that I came across in the preparation for this lesson. And I want to just call attention to some things that ought to be sobering to us as we talk about whatever happened to right and wrong. Now you remember Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah would say, from the least of them to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. Covetousness equates to idolatry. And he asked a question in the long ago, were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? His response was, no, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. They had become insensitive to what we would call right and wrong. They were wise to do evil, but as Jeremiah said, to do good, they had no knowledge. Or as Isaiah the prophet said in the long ago, they called evil good, good evil. They needed some clarification on right and wrong. Dr. George Barna, the director of research at the Culture, Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, had this to say. Belief in absolute moral truth rooted in God's Word is rapidly eroding among all American adults, whether churched or unchurched. Within every political segment, within every age group, even among those who do identify God as the source of truth, there is substantial rejection of any absolute standard of morality in American culture. Now just think about that for a minute. There has been an erosion in terms of how we look at absolute truth. So he writes, Where are Americans finding quote-unquote truth? The survey found that, most common, that the most common notion is that God is the basis of truth. But it was a minority of only 4 out of 10 adults, 
Another four out of ten believe that either inner certainty, 16%, scientific proof, 15%, tradition, 5%, or public consensus, 4%, leads to knowing truth. The remaining two out of every ten adults said that either there is no such thing as truth, 5%, or that they do not know the basis of truth. Let me just share these statistics with you. Second page of this data. Other segments, among whom a majority denied the existence of absolute moral truth, included LGBTQ adults, 73%, political liberals, 67%, Hispanics, 65%, blacks, 63%. Democrats, 63%. People under age 50, 62%. You know what that tells me? We have a lot of problems in this country. We are living in a day and time when people sadly have no use for God or His Word. Now, you remember Hosea the prophet in the long ago when he wrote in chapter 8, verse 7? He said, they have sown to the wind and they will reap the whirlwind. Listen, we are reaping the whirlwind in this nation because of intellectual snobbery, because we think we know better than God. And the fact of the matter is, we don't. There are a lot of people in our nation today, they have abdicated God's Word from their lives. They're not interested in what truth has to say. Did you know in the 1940s, divorce was considered in this country deviant behavior. Jettison forward 80 years and we're now living in a culture that has given the green light to homosexual marriage. How in the world can we go from a nation that at one time believed divorce was deviant behavior to a nation that now embraces same-sex marriage? You, you tell me. How's that happen? And listen, I understand there has been an all-out assault in our nation and in the world at large. There has been an assault on what is right and wrong. I listened the other day when the Speaker of the House began her, her press conference by saying, good morning, and then she said, it is not a good morning. And the reason is because Roe versus Wade was overturned. Now please listen very carefully. This is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. When you talk about terminating the lives of human beings, that, my friend, is murder. I don't care how you stack it up. It is murder. And I don't care if you're black or white, Republican or Democrat. If you side with abortion, you, my friend, are wrong. And why is that? Because this book said it's wrong. And that's the only thing that matters. I would remind our political leaders in this nation, I would remind all of us 
that there is a higher standard of authority than the Constitution of this country. There is a higher standard of authority than the Supreme Court. That standard of authority starts and ends with this book called the Bible. That's it. Now, we can like it or not like it, but that's the truth of God. We need to wake up in this country. We need mamas and daddies to wake up and to understand their children need to be pointed in the direction of Almighty God. I read yesterday. Now, you just think about this for a minute. 75% of people in this country are engaging in premarital sexual relations before they ever get married. Don't think for a minute that those statistics don't include some who are in the church. Because those statistics, that is general. We've got people in the church that are acting just like the world. They're mirroring the world and how the world thinks and how the world operates. So the bottom line is we've got to get back to what's right and wrong. So I want to just now very quickly talk about the prescription. How do we get our lives back on track? How do we get those around us back on track? Is it possible? Number one, we've got to come to an understanding that the Word of God, listen, please listen very carefully, the Word of God is right. In Psalm 19, verse 8, David said many years ago, the statutes of the Lord are right. The word statutes comes from a verb that means to engrave or write. And the idea is that statutes were engraved on metal or stone so that people could read them and keep them. So what about the Word of God? Is it right or wrong? How do I know, how do I know to make an intelligent decision on moral values? Is it what the world thinks? Is it what politicians say? Is it what I think in my heart? Is there a divine standard? And if there is a standard, are we going to honor it? Paul said, Every scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. God's Word is intended to profit our lives. And yet we have slowly moved away from the standard, haven't we? So to understand first and foremost that God's Word is right. Then there's a second thought here. To understand that the ways of the Lord, the ways of God are right. Listen to Hosea. Hosea chapter 14 verse 9. Here's what the prophet said. The ways of the Lord are right. Now listen, people in our world, people in this nation, they may not like it, but God's Word is right and God's ways are right. That's it. That's the end of the discussion. Whether we like it, whether we believe it, that's the truth of the matter. 
So what needs to happen? We need awareness in this nation. We need awareness around the world to somehow step back and to understand that God's Word is right and that God's ways are right. I don't have to sit down and deliberate whether or not abortion is right or wrong. I know what the Bible says. The Bible says God hates the hands of those who shed innocent blood. I don't have to sit down and try to discern intellectually whether or not same-sex marriage is right or wrong. I know what the Bible says. And here it is. Have you not read that He which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Can I understand that? Yes, I can. You're telling me that the creator of the universe has spoken and that the creator said marriage is between a man and a woman? That's right. And I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what the president says. I don't care what Congress says or the Senate says. God's word is spoken. And that's all that matters. We need to step back and think about that. Let me tell you what, some of these people that are pushing this stuff, they need to think about standing before God one day. It's not about what I like and what I think. It's about what God said. God has spoken, and that settles the matter. We have people today, they have no problem stealing, engaging in violent behavior, taking the life of another human being. They're all about that. Let me tell you what, that, my friend, is called sin, S-I-N. That's what it is. That's it. Whatever happened to sin? You don't hear many people talk about sin anymore, do you? Whatever happened to right and wrong? Is it possible we have become so conditioned in this country we have become so desensitized to right and wrong, it doesn't even register when it's right before us. Is that possible? Is it possible in this nation today that we hear about people living in immorality, infidelity, individuals breaking the law? We don't think anything about it. Watch the news. It'll enlighten you. You watch the news and just keep a score of how many people are hurting other people, stealing from other people, doing this, doing that. These folks are brazen today. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we have relaxed the laws of this land. And we're paying a heavy price for it. So number one, there needs to be awareness. And number two, accountability. This is really the bottom line. Whether we like it or not, we are all accountable to God. God's Word is right, and God's ways are right. And we're going to be held accountable to Him. Listen, this is the standard right here. This is it. There is no other standard. Did you know that this book's going to be open on the Day of Judgment? 
that God is going to judge the hearts and lives of people out of this book? Doesn't matter if we're male or female, rich or poor, young or old, black or white. Doesn't matter what our political... Listen, what matters is, did we live according to this book? You just think about standing before God one day. And imagine you're standing before God and He opens His Word. And your life is out of harmony with this book. How do you think that's going to go? I tell you right now, you're not going to be pleased with the outcome. Jesus said, He that rejects me and receives not my word has that which judges him. Listen to him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Do you remember Pontius Pilate asked Jesus on one occasion, What is truth? And Jesus said, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And didn't the apostle Paul said, Listen, Listen to what he said. We know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Are you saying, Paul, there is absolute truth? That's exactly what he's saying. I can answer it like this. Is there absolute truth? There is absolute truth. There is a defining line between what is right and wrong. There is a defining line between what is right and wrong, truth and error, good or evil. Is it possible that we have gotten so far removed from this standard that we call the Word of God that we really don't know what is right or wrong? One of the benefits or byproducts of knowing God's Word, according to the Hebrew writer, is that we can discern between good and evil. I don't have to decide, I don't have to sit down and think about certain issues and say, well, is that right or wrong? I know what the Bible says. And if God's Word is right, and if His ways are right, then what right do I have to overrule the Creator? Somebody says, I don't like it. Listen, if you don't like it, go out and build your own universe, and then you set the laws. The bottom line is, you don't have that power, I don't have that power, and so we better live in conformity to what the Creator has said. Do you remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 talking about the unbelieving Gentile world? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look at some of the great intellectual universities in our nation. The Ivy League schools. Many of those schools were founded by people and they based those institutions on biblical principles. And now those institutions are so far away from the principles upon which they were built that you and I can't even recognize them. They've got a lot of folks that have letters by their names, their PhDs, and they are intellectual from a secular vantage point, but as Paul said, they're foolish. Why? Because they don't understand. What I want us to do is to understand that what we're talking about today, this is true for any nation, any kingdom on earth. The nation of Israel was a theocracy. We are a republic. America is not God's 
chosen country, God's chosen land. God's chosen nation today is the church, Galatians 6.16. And the only way that we can change the landscape of where we're living is to preach and teach this book right, right here. We need to preach righteousness. That means, as Paul said, we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But now listen to what he went on to say. We are to reprove them. We have a responsibility to stand up in this nation or wherever we may be and to tell people this is what the Bible says. God has spoken. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to preach and teach righteousness? Here's what the psalmist said. The sum of your word is truth. In Psalm 119, 161, he said, I stand in awe of your law. We have got to get people to understand that this book and this book alone is to be the guide for life. It is to be our compass, our modern day GPS system. If you want to get to heaven and you want to be with God one day, you better follow this book right here. That's it. You better not follow what people are saying. Better not follow what the politicians are saying. You better follow this book right here. The Word of the Living God. So we have to preach righteousness. And then secondly, we need to be practicing righteousness. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, we are, the, we are to be a, a light in a darkened world? Didn't Jesus say we are to be salt in this world? Yes, He did. So we have to be a leavening agent for good in the world in which we live. If we're not willing to use our influence for good, then can I ask you, what kind of impact will that have on our family? What kind, of, what kind of impact will that have on our neighborhood? What kind of impact will that have on our community, on our city, on our state, on our nation? John said, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. The world today needs to see shining lights for good. That's you and that's me. We've got to boldly stand for what God in heaven has said. In Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were commanded not to teach or preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you remember what they said? We can't but speak the things we've seen and heard. If you have conviction and you genuinely believe in God and in His Word, you're going to do what's right. And you're going to try to influence others to do what's right. So, where do you stand today on the subject of right and wrong? Are you willing to stand for what is right? Are you willing to do what is right? A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not you did what was right and your children did what was right and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. That's all that's going to matter. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Absolutely. Sure is. Whether you buy into it or not, 
There is absolute truth. Here's what Jesus said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Does God want you to be saved? Yes, He does. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. What would you need to do to become a New Testament Christian? You've got to believe Jesus is the Son of God. And we talk about right and wrong. There are people in this nation today, they don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, I'd grant they'll tell you he's a good man. He was a good man. That he was concerned about the social injustices of his day. That he tried to help people compassionately, lovingly. Yes, he did, and all, all that and more. But we're talking about salvation. And we have to understand that Jesus is who Peter said he was. He is the Son of the living God. And then repent. You remember Paul on Mars Hill? And Paul is standing before an unbelieving city, idolatrous city. He declared to them the one true living God. He said, it's in Him that we live, move, and have our very being. And he said, the times of ignorance God winked at. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. That's what we need to hear in this nation today. Repentance, a turn to God, followed by a confession. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then I need to be baptized into Christ so that all my sins can be washed away. If I'm not baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, then I'm still in sin and I'm lost. When I do that, God adds me to the church, Acts 2, 47. Then I must live faithfully until death so that one day I can hear the Lord say to me, Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, what about you today? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you a faithful member of the body of Christ? If you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, then you have a problem. And as Paul said, you need to repent. And if you don't repent, Jesus said, you'll perish. Could we pray with you and for you if you're unfaithful to His cause? Don't you want to go to heaven? Doesn't the Lord have more to offer than the world? If you're here today and you are subject to the Master's invitation, I encourage you to come. So we stand and sing.